Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. IBLP, the Institute of Basic Life Principles. As the name suggests, these are teachings that are meant to help people, more specifically Christians, navigate daily life. Yet when rule number two is about obeying authority without question, you just know that something fishy is going on. The founder, Bill Gothard, has cropped up in the news alongside with the Duggar family, as he is the man behind their homeschool teaching program. Today, we're gonna take a look at if these messages are sound, misunderstood, or downright incorrect. Let's take a look. Hello everyone, and welcome to The Corporate Casket. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be discussing the IBLP, or the Institute in Basic Life Principles, a non-denominational Christian organization, and the Advanced Training Institute, which is a home education program. Now, these programs were originally brought up during the research looking into the Duggar family as they have ties to both of these organizations. And on a cursory glance, there was definitely something going on. So I wanted to see what was going on underneath the surface. And here we are. Today, we're gonna be doing a deep dive into both to get a better understanding of what IBLP really is, what they teach and the skeletons in their closet. We'll also talk about how they relate to the Quiverful movement, what it is, and the lessons of ATI as well. This episode will heavily mention sexual abuse, so please be aware of that moving forward. With that being said, let's get into it. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain, let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Bill Gothard was born on November 2nd, 1934. Not only was he brought up in the church, but his father served in various ministries and Bill attended the Child Evangelism Fellowship at a young age. According to the IBLP website, Bill became concerned for his classmates when he was about 15 years old, seeing them make unwise decisions and decided to dedicate his life to helping teenagers and their parents make wise choices. IBLP even claims that around this time, one of Gother's older friends challenged him to memorize large portions of the Bible. Bill had apparently been a poor student, but once he started memorizing scripture, his grades improved and he got into the National Honor Society. Ever since then, he's heavily advocated for memorizing and meditating on the Bible, waking up early and tithing as he attributes these factors to his own success. Needless to say, Bill knew exactly what he wanted to do early on in life. He attended Wheaton College and later wrote his master's thesis on a youth program, discussing the seven biblical principles of life, the basic life principles, so to speak. Guthard believes that these basic principles govern our personal lives and relationships, and that they apply to every person regardless of race, gender, culture, background, etc. The first is design. IBLP states that God has a precise purpose for every person. The second is to acknowledge authority and recognize that God puts them in place for a reason. Honoring our authorities brings inward peace, IBLP claims. 
The third is responsibility, stating that God holds people accountable. The fourth is suffering and that the hurt of offenders can reveal our blind spots. The fifth is ownership, using resources available to us. The sixth is freedom, the power to do what is right. And the seventh is that we can have success by discovering God's purpose for us. Right away, Gothard wanted to share this information with others. Despite having little money to his name, he established a Christian ministry called Campus Teens out of his LaGrange, Illinois home in 1961. Only a few years later, his alma mater, Wheaton, asked Bill to come back and teach based on his experience working with teens. He called it basic youth conflicts according to IBLP and 46 students registered for the class the first year and 120 enrolled the following year. About a decade after Campus Teams was formed, they renamed the Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts. Gothard's teaching became the Advanced Training Institute International or ATI in 1984, and it was used for homeschooling children. It wasn't until 1989 that they changed the organization name to what it is today, the Institute in Basic Life Principles. Anyway, at the time, Bill's focus was working with young people. However, while the idea of having a purpose and forgiving others might be all well and good, the Chicago Tribune alleges that Gothard was strict and the principle about recognizing authority was heavily emphasized. They write, it teaches that one should obey those in positions of authority, even if one disagrees with them because they were put into authority by God. Children should obey parents, wives should heed husbands and employees should serve employers. Despite this questionable and frankly toxic mindset, Gothard's teachings took off. It's kind of difficult to explain just how popular he was at this time, but Roger E. Olson, the emeritus professor of Christian theology at Baylor University, says that the Gothard phenomenon is one of the three most influential Christian movements of the 1970s. He claims the other two were Jesus people and charismatic movement. Olson says that Gothard's ideology was clearly borrowed more from the military than the Bible, as the Bible itself is full of prophets questioning those above them in the chain of command. In one hilarious moment, a Gothardite student allegedly challenged their professor for criticizing their ideology, and the professor shut them down instantly by saying, if you really believed in Gothard's teaching, you would not challenge me. I'm over you in God's chain of command. The reason why I stress the authority aspect so much in Gothard's early teaching is because plain and simple, that's what Gothard himself seemed to stress. Plus, it's what so many people seem to take issue with. Not just non-Christians, but evangelical writer Joseph Bailey wrote in his 1970 book, Out of My Mind, that these teachings would open the door to all kinds of abuse. And spoiler alert, he wasn't wrong. Yet, even if Olson and Bailey were opposed to Gothard's basic youth conflict seminars, conservative evangelical Christians at the time attended them in the thousands. One woman, Lily Bia Jenkins, writes on her personal website that she remembers being a super Christian that idolized Mr. Gothard when she was younger. She says that she can recall him standing on a stage surrounded by 30,000 people at the Thompson Bowling Arena in Knoxville, Tennessee. A lot of smart and very wonderful Christian men and women were deceived by this man, she writes. Gothard had so much influence, power, and respect. People credited him with saving their lives and opening their eyes. Whether or not he actually had good intentions in founding the IBLP, which I find hard to believe given his notions about authority figures, he was in fact being treated like a God. It's not difficult to imagine this going to his head though, when the IBLP did face its first massive controversy. Bill wasn't at the forefront. Instead, it was his brother, Steve. And before we get into the first of many controversies, let's take a quick moment to thank today's sponsors because after this sponsored break, it's gonna get rough. (laughs) 
Once upon a time, if I shaved my legs, I'd step out of the shower looking like I was on the losing end of a battle with a tiny animal. So many cuts and so much blood. Because no matter how hard I tried, I could never shave around my knees or ankles without some kind of bloodletting. And that's no longer, thanks to Athena Club. Athena Club's razor has built-in skin guards that are gentle on curves and help prevent razor burn. Their razor blade is surrounded by a water-activated serum with shea butter and hyaluronic acid. And their razor kit, by the way, it's $9. And for that $9, you're gonna get two blade heads, a magnetic hook for shower storage, and your choice of handle color. And there's six color options, and you can choose how often they send replacement blades too. And I know they just got back in stock that limited edition lavender purple lilac color that I was after. Uh, someone commented on one of my Instagram photos and let me know. I'm so sorry that I am like drawing a blank on your username right now, but thank you so much. I now have the lavender lilac purple colored razor blade shaver, and I am so happy. So show your skin you care with the Athena Club Razor Kit. Sign up today and you'll get 20% off your first order. Just go to athenaclub.com and use promo code CASKET. That's athenaclub.com with promo code CASKET for 20% off. Now, February is nearly over. And if you're anything like me, your life has kicked up the pace a little bit. And that means getting it together for a decent meal can be a lot harder. But that's why I recommend HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week. Convenience and quality can actually go together and HelloFresh is the one that binds it. And all of that freshness and deliciousness and pre-planned excellence arrives within one week on your doorstep. Plus, HelloFresh lets you easily customize your order. You can change your delivery day, your food preferences, your plan size, even skip a week or two if you need to. No one's schedule is that consistent and they don't expect it to be either. So they are very flexible with making sure the boxes work for you. And that's something that's super important for me because my schedule is constantly changing and I need the flexibility. Sometimes I have to skip some weeks. Sometimes I can plan it out for weeks at a time. It very much changes from like month to month, it seems. So I'm so happy HelloFresh is so flexible. So make sure you go to hellofresh.com slash casket16 and use code casket16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's up to 16 free meals and three free gifts at hellofresh.com slash casket16 with code casket16. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Gothard claimed that in 1973, he only took $600 a month in salary. However, in 1979, IBLP bought a jet to fly him to seminars and meetings. He also had a large Oak Brook farmhouse to serve as ministry headquarters, a hotel, office buildings, maintenance buildings, family homes. The area essentially became Gothardsville, if we're being blunt. Gothard didn't need a massive paycheck because he was allegedly treating church funds as his own. Recovering Grace, a website set up by those harmed by IBLP, discusses this entire situation in great detail. It would take me weeks just to read through their archive, so I highly recommend checking that out if you want to know more information. But to summarize, Bill Gothard was hemorrhaging IBLP funds. In one year, he spent $4.5 million upgrading the Northwoods Conference and Retreat Center, all while underpaying employees while having them work overtime. 
Wives that complained about their husband's long hours of unpaid overtime were accused of murmuring or of being out from under authority. And Gothard told the community that if they made these sacrifices, IBLP, which was IBYC at the time, would later be their financial security. However, Gothard's own pilots revealed that no fewer than 15 flights were made by members of the Gothard family in a 15 month period between 1979 to 1980 that had absolutely nothing to do with the church. The revelations about Gothard's spending was upsetting, but there was a far greater problem happening behind closed doors. Bill Gothard's brother, Steve, had been sexually involved with staff members. Staff members practically begged Gothard to get Steve rehabilitated in the 70s, but Gothard told them he needed more time. In fact, Gothard continued to assign secretaries to his brother and women staffers that were young, single, and all under their father's umbrella of authority as Gothard teaches. A timeline compiled by Recovering Grace alleges that Steve was first immoral with a young woman in 1976 when she was seeking help. Once Bill was informed, he became angry she had not come to him first, showed no grief or remorse, and ended the conversation quickly. Only a month later, another woman simply named F confessed to fornication with Steve, but said it had been done under pressure. On Valentine's Day that same month, Steve confessed to defrauding staff secretaries in Gothard while he acknowledged he was aware of this at a later date, took no steps to prevent it. After several more incidents, Gothard was told by a staff member, Ken, that he was violating his own teachings with his inaction towards Steve. Ken was told to quote, get off Bill's back. Not only did Steve use his authority to harm young women in the community, but Gothard knew and did nothing. Hell, according to Recovering Grace, he was a part of it, pressuring an 18 year old at the time, Ruth, to leave college and work at IBLP headquarters in 1970. When she suffered a breakdown years later, Gothard told her she could either stay at HQ with him or work for his brother, Steve, at the Northwoods Conference Center. When Ruth chose the latter, she was targeted by Steve. The community wanted answers. One young aide had been extremely dedicated to IBLP teachings and managed to pull in a crowd of over 10,000 people to one of Gothard's seminars. He wrote notes on overhead projectors when Gothard spoke on screen and in doing so became extremely familiar with Gothard's teachings. Once the scandal broke, the aide became an extremely strong voice in questioning Gothard, trying to come to a resolution. Yet, even when he approached Gothard directly, he was met with a brick wall. Those that had followed Gothard so closely for years were now coming face to face with what blind acceptance of authority could mean, and it looked pretty despicable. Chicago Mag argues that few residents were really aware of this and that though Gothard was briefly forced by IBLP officials to step down, he was reinstated after only a few weeks, but not without controversy. Gothard and the IBLP suffered some financial disputes when he returned as president, as there was pressure for an independent financial review. For years, Gothard had run things however he wanted, so he wasn't exactly fond of being suddenly told what he should do. Two lawsuits were filed around this time by employees, which alleged financial misdeeds. A 1981 suit filed by William Wood alleged that IBLP denied him and the employees he represented basic funds for living expenses, retirement benefits, and property benefits. The second lawsuit filed in 1982 alleged much of the same. IBLP spends money extravagantly while neglecting their workers. Unfortunately, IBLP was also extravagant in their lawyers and spent quite a bit of money securing a well-known and massive legal team. As I understand it, by 1983, so literally one to two years later, the former staff that sued were exhausted mentally and financially, and so the suits were dismissed, but they were just unable to fight back. That's really what it came down to. Recovering Grace wrote, 
The former director told us, years later, Bill accused me of spending a half a million dollars of the Lord's money. Our cost was less than $20,000 on his lawsuit, David versus Goliath. I countered back that an honest man would not have to spend a penny to walk into court and put his hand on the Bible and tell the truth. He did not respond. Funny how this seems to be Gothard's response when confronted with disgusting behavior. Nothing at all. Now, while you might think this spelled disaster for Gothard, it unfortunately didn't. When his teachings were released as a homeschooling program, ATI, in 1984, it coincided with the Quiverful movement and took off. Let's take a brief break from Gothard to discuss what exactly the Quiverful movement is to give you all a sense of what was popular during this resurgence of evangelical Christianity. According to NPR, the Quiverful movement is fairly new as it sprung up in the 80s, right around the time ATI was released and gaining traction. The Quiverful movement derives its name from Psalm 127 in the Bible, which reads, "'Like arrows in the hands of a warrior "'are sons born in one's youth. "'Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them.'" This quote had been taken to mean that God will give couples the right number of children and therefore taking birth control or using any other form of contraceptive is unacceptable. As you might imagine, many families that follow these quiverful principles have tons of kids, seemingly whether the woman wants to or not. One woman, Kelly Swanson, claims that she didn't want children when she first married her husband, Jeff. However, as the two of them noticed how many big families were in the Bible, they decided God knew how many children they could handle. And as of the article, they had seven children. And if you want that many children, I suppose that's your choice to make, but to believe women are required or just made to have children is insane and it takes away their bodily autonomy. Some sources even claim that the Quiverful movement isn't just about having kids, but the reason these particular Christians believe they need to is so that they can outpopulate other religions. Catherine Joyce, who wrote about the movement in her book, Quiverful, Inside the Christian Patriarchy Movement, spoke with NPR and she said, They speak about, if everyone starts having eight children or 12 children, imagine in three generations what we'll be able to do, Joyce says. We'll be able to take over both halls of Congress. We'll be able to reclaim sinful cities like San Francisco for the faithful. And we'll be able to wage very effective massive boycotts against companies that are going against God's will. Libby Ann, who grew up a part of the movement, wrote about Quiverful on Pathios. She claimed that she often heard, Muslims were going to take over the world if Christians didn't have more children and more American Christian women needed to do their duty. One Quiverful article states that if each couple has six children and each generation continues the trends, by generation four, a couple can have 1,296 great-great-grandchildren. If each couple has 10 children, they can make even more of a long-term impact, having 10,000 great-great-grandchildren. And this kind of sounds like a birthing pyramid scheme, the way they lay it out. Like not even gonna lie, it's pretty sus, but anyway. If even one woman though doesn't do her part and have 10 children in this layout, the plan falls apart. It's easy to see how this can be turned around and used to shame women, saying they aren't doing what the Lord asks, while again, removing their bodily autonomy and choice from the process. As an aside, it's worth noting that the Duggars claim they aren't part of the Quiverful movement. The family has stated they are simply, quote, Bible-believing Christians who desire to follow God's word and apply it to our lives. Still, many associate them with it because of their massive family and their association with so many other aspects of the Quiverful movement as well, like obeying men in the household, condemning homosexuality, letting parents have control over their children, things of that nature. For example, Recovering Grace says ATI and Quiverful go hand in hand. And for many of those that grew up in ATI, having many children was the norm. 
ATI not only taught to obey authority, but that birth control was self-centered, if not utter defiance against the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Ryan explained on the Recovering Grace website that he and his wife Katie struggled with infertility until having their first child when he was 33. Ryan and Katie didn't take any precautions, no birth control, and found out they were expecting again when their first son was only four months old. Ryan wrote that after his daughter was born, he begged for Katie's blessing to get a vasectomy. With two young children and being in the process of getting his MBA, Ryan was exhausted, stressed, and at his wit's end. They used birth control for a time, but after about a year and a half after their daughter was born, Katie was pregnant again. Once more, Ryan began to question the things he learned through ATI. After all, though some biblical figures had many children, they also had a number of wives. Plus, it's not as if Gothard himself had a wife or kids. Therefore, he was acting as an armchair referee, as Ryan put it. As upsetting as it is to learn about how little control women had within the Gothard movement and IBLP and ATI, it gets worse. Wisdom Booklet 36, a part of Gothard's teaching reads, if a woman doesn't cry out when she's raped, God holds her equally guilty with her attacker. No wonder Gothard wouldn't hold anyone accountable when his brother pressured women into sexual acts with him. According to his own teachings, if they didn't scream and refuse him, they're accountable too. Recovering Grace does argue with Gothard's teaching and ignoring a key aspect of who God is, and that's his grace. Gothard's logic within his teachings is incredibly skewed, disgusting, and keeps people trapped within his cult-like grip. Unfortunately, as his teachings and influence grew, Gothard began to set his sights on the young women coming into the church and seemingly follow in his own brother's footsteps. Now, please know that for legal purposes, the accusations made against Gothard are alleged. And for the rest of the episode, any allegations are what I have gathered from news sources, court documents, or firsthand testimonies. While I do believe the women that have stepped forward, I have to reiterate that it is my personal belief that I believe them and you can obviously agree or disagree with that. So with that out of the way, let's keep it moving. So now we're gonna fast forward a couple years to 1992 and Rachel Frost, who was only 15 years old at the time, met Bill Gothard for the first time at a 1992 Knoxville conference. He asked my name and how long my family had been in ATI. His very next question was if I was committed to courtship and he gave me an obvious once over, Rachel writes. Though she was young, Gothard suggested she come work at headquarters, winked at her and said she looked much more mature than her age. Eager to prove herself, Rachel wrote a letter about her life-changing experience at the Knoxville conference and handed it directly to Gothard after the final session ended. According to Rachel, Gothard held her hand and told her, God bless you and overwhelmed with gratitude and likely the fact that Gothard was seen and treated like a God, she hugged him. Soon after, she was welcomed to headquarters and given the VIP treatment. On numerous occasions, Gothard emptied out the cash in his desk to give it to her. And they sat together praying as Rachel confessed her sins, which were liking pop songs, modeling in modest clothing and hearing the rock music that played at a modeling fashion show. Gothard turned around and used these confessions against her and word spread that she was a former model, which was quite embarrassing to her. Gothard kept other boys Rachel's age away from her, even firing one named Marcus for speaking to her in a flirty manner. He touched her by nudging her foot under the table, having his thigh pressed against hers when they sat in a car together or putting his hand in her hair. He had her spy for him around headquarters, asking her to be his eyes and ears. People knew it and insulted Rachel, referring to her as Gothard's pet, type, or favorite. The reason why I decided to talk about this case in detail when it's far from the worst thing that he's done is because it demonstrates how people were very well aware of the young women and teenage girls surrounding him. 
They knew he had his so-called favorites and his methods were meticulous and well-planned. Gothard may have groomed and sexually harassed Rachel Frost, but she was far from alone. 10 other women were sexually harassed and or molested by Gothard around this time, one of whom Gothard sought permission to marry. On Recovering Grace, this young woman goes by Meg. And when she tells her story, even though it isn't her real name, it's, uh, well, it's, it's at a loss for words at just how fucking nuts it is. Now, her name has been revealed as Rachel Lee's within recent litigation. So we will get to that suit in just a moment and you're probably gonna be just as shocked as I was. Lee's claimed that she had been working for Gothard as his secretary at ATI at the Illinois headquarters in 1992. He became her confidant quickly, a kind, sympathetic man she looked up to. She was only 20 years old at the time and about a year after they were extremely close. She went everywhere with him. He asked her intimate questions and seemed jealous of her other relationships. Like with Rachel Frost, people began to notice that Gothard was paying special attention to her, but he wasn't letting up. It wasn't for another decade in 2013 that Lees learned that Gothard had actually asked the IBLP board for permission to marry her. And for reference at the time, she was about 20 and he was about 60 with a massive power dynamic imbalance between them. The IBLP board refused and instead told Gothard he wasn't allowed to have female personal assistance anymore. Yet, despite them putting this rule in place and being aware of Gothard's request, the IBLP board never actually enforced this regulation. Somehow, both of these cases are still only the tip of the iceberg of what Gothard has actually done. I genuinely can't review every single case in great detail because about 10 women have stepped forward detailing their experiences. And while most took place in the 90s, some did take place in the late 2010s as well. Though Lise was 19 or 20 when Gothard groomed and sexually harassed her, the other women were even younger at the time, between the ages of 13 to 18. In addition, Jane Doe II and Ruth Copley Berger stated that they were sexually abused by IBLP employee, Kenneth Copley. Gothard refused to help multiple victims or report multiple cases of abuse that were brought to his attention and went so far as to threaten Jane Doe II for attempting to disclose what Copley had done to her. Jane Doe III, who had been sent to headquarters by her father to learn respect, was only 13 years old when Gothard began touching her hair, winking at her and playing footsies with her under the table. At one point, he even told her that though her father didn't love her, he did, and told his assistant he wanted Jane Doe III to have new clothes. Her skirts were ankle length and he wanted them at calf length. For years, and in some cases decades, these women stayed silent. Recovering Grace explains that many of them were led to believe things like, you have to stay silent because only God can judge, or that they had to stay silent because they didn't cry out, therefore making them just as guilty. Not only were these young women manipulated by Gothard, but they'd been effectively brainwashed from growing up with his lessons all along. Thankfully, these women eventually did find the strength to speak out. The Recovering Grace website was formed in 2011, about the same time when IBLP's revenue began to drop. Though they lost 1 million in 2009, IBLP lost four times as much in 2011, and their net assets went from $92 million to $81 million from 2010 to 2012. Their conferences, which were held 504 times in 2010, were only held about 50 times in 2012. They were declining, but the nail in the coffin was yet to come. Two years later on February 3rd, 2014, Recovering Grace posted The Gothard Files, a case for disqualification. At first, Gothard was placed on administrative leave while the IBLP board began investigating the claims, but by 2014, it was clear there was no coming back from this. Bill Gothard may have been able to salvage his reputation in the 70s and 80s, but this was unforgivable. 
The website did not discuss the reasons for his resignation in March, 2014. It just simply said that Gothard was going to follow Matthew 5, 23, 24, and listen to those that have ought against him. I fail to see how this Bible verse has anything to do with accusations of sexually assaulting and harassing young women. It reads as though you should reconcile with others before offering your gift at the altar. A lot more than reconciliation was needed here. In October, 2015, many of the women that spoke out against Gothard filed a lawsuit against IBLP. They alleged that the organization and the board acted negligently with willful and wanton disregard for them and engaged in a civil conspiracy to conceal the wrongdoing. These actions were spearheaded by Gothard and so Gothard's name was also added as a defendant. A couple of years later though, in 2018, the plaintiffs voluntarily dismissed their lawsuit. Their statement read that just by dismissing the case, this does not equate to them recanting their experience or disregarding the actions of IVLP. They dismissed it because of the complexities involved, such as the statutes of limitation. As many of these cases happened in the 90s in Illinois, it had long since expired. Thankfully in 2019, Illinois actually removed this statute. Hopefully this means that other women that may have been in this position can now seek justice easier if they so choose. While the lawsuit was voluntarily dismissed, IBLP did file motions for sanctions against the women. They argued that the plaintiffs falsely alleged that they suffered from repressed memories as Jane Doe three and four both testified that they had forms of PTSD and memory suppression. Each one of these women were diagnosed by counselors, psychiatrists, and or therapists. Recovering Grace writes about the experiences of these women in the courtroom detailing one moment in which an IBLP lawyer objected to Jane Doe four having PTSD. Refusing to back down, Jane Doe 4 slammed both her hands down on the podium, leaned forward and said, I have the diagnosis, sir. Now, the women were actually able to have these sanctions dismissed. And as things have come to a close, Gothard allegedly grumbled to his lawyer, now everyone is going to think I am a freak. He's wrong, of course, because I believe that anyone who hears this would call him far worse things than a freak. Unfortunately, there are those that don't think he's a freak at all and actually still support him. One website called Discovering Grace seems to be a play on Recovering Grace and supports Gothard and his teachings. The About Us page doesn't directly state that they support all that Gothard has done, but it reads in part. We have spoken to Bill directly and found an 80 year man deeply humbled by all that has gone on leading to his separation from IBLP, the ministry he founded, eager to correct whatever he can. He continues to emphatically deny any criminal or moral failures. Some of us have independently participated in the Recovering Grace blog, gathering facts and seeking to provide balancing information, correcting errors we were aware of. Discovering Grace came about after a number of us were separately banned from commenting on the site and subsequently found each other. It is our wish to do our part in providing support to Bill and his ministry, giving honor to whom honor is due. They add that Gothard has never actually admitted to anything, while other sources state that back in 2014, Gothard wrote a tweet that said, my actions of holding hands, hugs, and touching of feet or hair with young ladies crossed the boundaries of discretion and were wrong. So which is it? Do you not admit any wrongdoing or did you actually make that tweet? Discovering Grace also released an article in March, 2021, stating that over the years, people have called Gothard, IBLP, and ATI a cult. While I would assume that the point of the article is to argue that they are not a cult, I personally believe that it does such a poor job of doing this that it actually makes a fantastic argument for why they are. For example, they list several key characteristics of cults. The cult leaders has a secret or open sexual addiction, appeals to the sensual desires of his followers, draws followers away from their families, rejects God-given authority, demands loyalty, promotes doctrine contrary to scripture, and has an ulterior motive for gaining personal wealth. 
Their article lists Bible verses beneath each one of these cult characteristics, implying that scripture doesn't support these actions. But based on the allegations and testimonies that have come out over the years, Gothard clearly did. Yes, he openly and secretly molested young women and brought them to headquarters away from their families, emphasized how important loyalty was and used IBLP funds for his own personal gains. The question here isn't, is Gothard a cult leader? The question, in my opinion, of course, is how can you argue he isn't? The Cult Education Institute also has an entire page dedicated to Bill Gothard and the accusations against him, linking various articles that accuse IBLP and ETI of being cult-like. While those that still follow IBLP or agree with Gothard may feel differently, at the very least, I think it's difficult to deny that the similarities are there. It is oddly similar, despite what you wanna think. Of course, many of you are probably aware of IBLP or ATI from the Duggars, who we spoke about in a previous episode a little bit ago. And ever since it was revealed that Josh Duggar had been molesting his sisters and was convicted of CP, IBLP has been thrust into the spotlight once again. While week-long in-person conferences are outdated in today's age of technology, Gothard's effect on televangelists and the next generation of messengers is already present. Kobe Dumez, a Calvin University history professor stated, When you look at evangelism as a consumer culture, at books on marriage, sex, and how to be a Christian man or woman, you can see Gothard's fingerprints all over the place, even though they're not citing him. It ends up shaping conservative evangelicism for generations. Considering what Gothard did to the young girls that trusted him, I'd be especially concerned to hear that he's going to shape generations for years to come. Some have argued that Gothard and his message have truly helped them. Personally, I think any message that harms people and pressures them to stay silent should be discredited. But of course, that's just my opinion. And that's where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you learned something new in today's episode, perhaps even gained a little bit more of in-depth insight into the Duggar family and where they apparently get their belief systems and teachings from. Thank you so much for spending some of your time here with me today. Please make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date on all the latest episodes. Again, I appreciate your time here with me today and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.